If you have your Bibles with you this evening, I would invite you to turn to the book of Proverbs. We have been going through the book of Proverbs in the evenings, and Proverbs can seem difficult, can seem like a disconnected set of pithy sayings, and at times that's exactly what it is. But this evening as we look at chapter 12, I think there is a central theme that ties them together. So if you would please give attention to the reading of God's holy word. The word of the Lord is completely without error. The word of the Lord is completely sufficient. And the word of the Lord is completely authoritative. Proverbs chapter 12. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of evil devices he condemns. No one is established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will never be moved. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. But she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. The thoughts of the righteous are just. The counsels of the wicked are deceitful. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood. But the mouth of the upright delivers them. The wicked are overthrown and are no more. But the house of the righteous will stand. A man is commended according to his good sense, but one of twisted mind is despised. Better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man and lack bread. Whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast, but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, But he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Whoever is wicked covets the spoil of evildoers, but the root of the righteous bears fruit. An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. From the fruit of his mouth a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue But for a moment, deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. But those who plan peace have joy. No ill befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, 
But a good word makes him glad. One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. And the path of righteousness is life. And in its pathway, there is no death. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray for the Lord's blessing upon it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask this evening that you would teach us from your word that you would mold us and shape us by it. This we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. Well, we have remarked before, and we have seen for some time now, that the world is a rapidly changing place. And especially for those of us that are not too pleased with the change, We stop and we think about ways in which we can stop it, even reverse course. We think of laws that could be passed. We think of elections that could be won. We think of deeds that should be accomplished. But this evening, I'd like us to think about something much more practical, something that is critically important for you and for me in a world that is changing. That is... Our character. When it comes down to it, character is the thing that differentiates people, isn't it? We can set up facades, we can scheme schemes, we can put on airs. But it is who we are as we follow the Lord that in its greatest substance shows the difference of the gospel. If we are indeed a new creation in Christ, as Paul says, then that new creation will live and talk and walk in a way that honors the Lord. And so chapter 12 in the Proverbs shows us the importance of our character in many different aspects. It shows us first and foremost that character is critical to living before the Lord. Secondly, it shows us that the character that is in us shows forth from our mouths. And then thirdly, we see that the character that is within us shows forth from our lives as well. Let's begin then by looking at Proverbs chapter 12, showing us that character is a critical part of our everyday life. And the proverb begins by reminding us That character requires commitment. You know, we live in a day and age in which we don't like to wait for anything, do we? I saw a report last month that caused me to laugh. It was a reporter with all seriousness on the Internet warning everyone in the loudest possible of tones that under no circumstances should you ever upgrade your iPhone 4S to iOS 8. Do you know what it will do to you? When you open up Safari, the web browser, instead of 1.2 seconds, it will take 1.6. Can you imagine? To open up the weather app takes almost three quarters of a second longer. How could anyone live under these circumstances? 
We live in lives of fast food, fast meals, fast homes, fast cars, everything we want quicker and faster. But the problem is that character takes time to build. It takes patience. It takes molding. And as the proverb tells us, it takes discipline. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof is stupid. Notice the contrast here. We will see this throughout this chapter. There is a contrast between the wise man and the fool, the lover of the Lord and the lover of self. The one who hates reproof, who hates discipline, is called stupid. Now, perhaps some of the youngest among us will say, you know, that's not a very nice word to use. Mom does does not let us use the word stupid in our house, especially about other people. But you see here, it's almost a technical term. It means like a animal, someone without any sense at all, someone who is senseless, who does not know even what is good for himself. Now, why is this so important? Why would we love discipline? And why would those who hate reproof be stupid? I dare say that none of us, adults included, are lining up to be corrected by others. It's not a comfortable thing to have happen, is it? But the reason why it's important is because correction brings improvement. We are disciplined to grow in Christ. We are disciplined to grow in wisdom. Discipline is a process that brings about the molding of character. Notice this is not punishment. This is discipline. The Lord disciplines those whom He loves because He makes them more and more in the image of Jesus. And this requires a very long-term view of character. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of evil devices he condemns. The proverb reminds us that we are not to fashion schemes to try and take shortcuts, to try and find a way to convince others that we are different than we really are. We're not just to look to the immediate situation. You know, one good working definition of character is, what are you like when no one is looking? You see, when we know others are observing us, we can put on a show. But to have our character be molded, it must be a long-term view. And when we do this, our character grows and flourishes. This is not about brief success. No one is established by wickedness, the proverb says. But the root of the righteous will never be moved. You see... Some may try to fool others, but they will never be established. Now, by that I do not mean that someone who uses trickery, someone who uses wickedness will never be wealthy, will never be successful, will never retire to the Bahamas. That's not what I mean. What I think the proverb is saying here is, is that those who follow a short-sighted path will never be permanently secure and established. 
Because after all, this world and this life is not the end. There are greater and more permanent things. And as we see our character being molded by the Lord, we notice that character is not something that stands still. Do you see this progression here from verses 5, 6, and 7? First, we go to how we think. The thoughts of the righteous are just, but the counsel of the wicked is deceitful. It always begins with what we think, doesn't it? This is the safest thing for us to do. How many times have you, as a young person, especially as a teen, thought of a very, how shall we say, witty reposit to your parents? But you know that that needs to say inside your head. Sometimes it doesn't, and the look of shock of, did I say that? Really? You see, that's the safest place for us to rebel because we can keep it inside. We can't help it. And that means that our thoughts are the place where the battle begins. It is your mind where the battle begins. That's where Satan wants to take foothold. He wants to get your mind off of the things of God. He wants to make you critical of mind. He wants to make you bitter of thought. Because he knows that what comes next is that what we think comes spilling out into what we say. Look at verse 6. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright delivers them. It is a truism that sin never stops. We can never control sin, either in the commission of it or in the sphere of it. We cannot say, well, we'll only sin at work, and at home we'll be just fine. We'll only sin in our thoughts, but not in our words. No, there is a rolling progression here, either toward godliness or toward sin. And we see this here in verse 7. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. A man is commended according to his good sense, but one of twisted mind is despised. We finally are really who we are. We can't keep it inside. The Lord sees. He knows and He judges. The third thing that we notice is that character is awfully hard work. Look here at verse 9. Better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man and lack bread. Now, this is, I think, a bit confusing, so let me illustrate it for you. What he's saying is better to be thought a lightweight and actually have a servant than to be thought grand and grandiose and there's no food in the fridge. You see, how people view us, the value they place upon us, is not the real significance. There's a reality, a substance behind that. And so much of our society puts its work into appearances. Playing the hypocrite. Trying to seem like something they are not. And it is very easy for the church to get caught up in this. As a matter of fact, it's very easy for the church to try and excel in this. 
And what we do is we put on airs for our church and for our faith. We want others to look upon us and make a judgment. But you see, the hard work of character goes day by day by day. It's something that requires diligence and effort. And the character that we have and that the Lord builds in us comes out, it shows forth from our mouth. Look at verse 13. An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. We might look at it this way. Taking shortcuts brings trouble, but diligence pays off. You know, we can talk a good game. We can try and get ahead by telling half-truths or even no-truths. But if any of you have ever had the experience of lying, oh, I'm sure none of you ever have. If you've ever had the experience of lying, you know that in itself lying is very hard work because once you tell one lie, you must remember it in all its detail. And it's hard to remember a fiction because you've never experienced it. And then oftentimes you must tell a second lie to cover up that first lie. And a third to cover lies one and two. And so on and so on. And the lies themselves become like vines that wrap around us and entangle us and stop us from doing what we will. Have you ever had the experience of after having been, been lying... Sometime down the road, an occasion comes up in which there's something good that comes to you. And you're not able to take advantage of it. Because to do so would be to admit that you had lied previously. You're caught. You're ensnared. But diligence pays off. The truth from our mouth shows the true character we are. And it pays off in the long run. For you see, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The fool opens his mouth because he thinks he's wise, even when he's not. You know the old proverb that doesn't come from the Scriptures? Better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. You see, the fool speaks, thinks he knows, and he betrays his own heart and character. He speaks quickly to his own hurt. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent bears an insult. You see, the fool wants you to know immediately what is bothering him. He wants to be front and center. He wants all of the attention, but the prudent is willing to be patient. The wise man ignores an insult. I think back to an old running back. Some of you may know him or have seen him on film, Jim Brown. Do you remember that Jim Brown, no matter how hard he was hit or how many people tackled him, always got up the exact same way. 
He was never going to let anyone know what was bothering him. He didn't want others to know they had hurt him. He was willing to bear that insult. But you see, what he wanted to do was he wanted to portray his character to the other team. He wanted them to think that he was a man of steel, that he could not be dominated. And sometimes I think as Christians, we would be wise to have somewhat of an attitude as that. There are indeed times and opportunities in which we must stand for our rights. But even in the recent instance of this nastiness in the city of Houston, I'm saddened and appalled by some of the headlines I read in these internet magazines, as it were. You would think that every minister from the entire greater Houston area was being strung up with rope for the way they announced it. And the problem is, is that when we go over the top, when we speak in a way that is inconsistent with who we are, then eventually others cease to listen to us. That's what happens to the fool. Better to be patient, to bear an insult. And then when we must stand, people know that we stand because of our character. That there is substance behind it. Our words have an effect on others. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. What better way to describe the difference between one who follows the Lord and one who follows himself? Do your words bring healing to others around you? Or are your words occasion for fight, for difficulty? Our character comes forth from our mouths. Thirdly, and finally, our character shows from our life. There is a build-up in this chapter of Proverbs that character is important, that it requires commitment, that it requires a commitment of time and of effort. And that character is important as to who we are. It comes out in our mouths, but it also comes out in our lives. Our actions give us away. Look at verse 23. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. A prudent man does not need to show off. The posture of wisdom is the posture of humility. But the fool always has to be a show-off in everything that he does. And do you notice what this verse says? It doesn't say that the heart of a fool shows a lack of knowledge. It says the heart of a fool shows folly. It actually shows the character of who he is. Not just that he doesn't know, but the fact that he doesn't know and acts like he does says something about him. In reality, our character can be the greatest source of happiness and joy to us. Verse 25 is a good verse to memorize and live by. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. And their anxiety has both of the senses of being anxious and being fearful. They're merged together in that word. But a good word makes him glad. You see, when we are anxious, when we are worried, when we are fearful because we know that we have an act that we must keep up, Our happiness and joy is robbed. 
But if we are someone who follows the Lord sincerely, it brings great joy to our lives. And so the question is, are we a part of the problem? Or are we a part of the solution? Look at verse 24. The hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. You see, those with character rise to the top. Think about it. Who do you want to repair your fence? The lazy man who shows up late, takes a two-hour lunch, and says, I'll get back to you next week. Or the one who comes on time and brings all his tools and does a good job. The lazy really are of no help, right? It's those who have character to start the job and finish the job. And here is the great warning. If this is true, then what is the state of our nation? Where people rise to the top not based on their ability, not based on their diligence, but on their connections and who they know. But even in the midst of this, this is an opportunity for Christians to shine like a city on a hill. To be the best bakers, the best seamstresses, the best bankers, the best doctors, the best dentists, the best accountants that they can be. And to show that our lives are different because of the one who has changed us. But all of this, in conclusion, is not really the main focus of character. For you see, character is of great usefulness in the here and the now, but it is about more than the now, isn't it? Look at verse 28. In the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. You see, in the final analysis, our character is a reflection of the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we follow Him, the Holy Spirit molds us more and more into His likeness. And we know that that is the path of life. That is the path of life eternal. There is no death. So as you go about your tasks this week, things that seem mundane, things that seem unimportant and small, take them as challenges from the Lord. Take them as sandpaper, as you will, to mold your character, to sand off the rough edges of sin, anxiety, and fear. That we might follow after the Lord. That others might see who we are And that we might have great joy and happiness in knowing that we follow the one who is the definition of character. Let's pray.